Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. My name is Chris. And my name is Anthony. Hello, Anthony. Hi, Chris. It's been a minute since I last, uh, I well, not only seen, but talked to you. <laughs> it's been several minutes since you last yeah. seen me. Yes. I was the great state of Utah. It was hot. Last mm. month I was there and it was snowy. It needs to make up its mind. <laughs> well, if, if I remember right, I've never been there, but isn't it just a desert that just happens to be really, it really It is far very, north? very dry. It is very yeah. dry. <laughs> It just happens to be really close to Canada in the northern uh, areas of the U.S., right? It's not north. No. Utah? Yeah, no. It's, it's, it's far more north than Texas is. Well, yeah, Utah. most things are when you're looking to talk about the states. Utah. Look up a map of America. It's more west. I am. It is. It, okay. It's in the I'm Rockies. I'm going to use Idaho as the, uh, <laughs> it's the thing here, but it is one state away from Canada. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Sure. No, I just I just meant that like it's in a it's a different climate. Oh, it's a it very is still different climate. Yes, rather desert ish. Very pretty. Yeah. You can see mountains all around. Mm. Very very good. But we're not here to talk about Utah. As fun as that might be on a podcast, we're actually here to talk about a show that we watched. Yes. What did we watch, Anthony? We watched a Facebook suggestion: mm-hmm. Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone. Not just. Shadow, but also bone. Yeah. If it was just bone, that would be a different podcast. It would be, would that be a Star Trek? <laughs> bone does bones. So it's just oh. one bone. Hmm. I don't know. Well, but this was a suggestion. This was a, <laughs> uh, if you want to start a Bone Thugs in Harmony podcast, I volunteer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyways, this was a suggestion from a listener, Jim whose name I can say normally without any sort of malice. <laughs> He's also emailed us. Has he? Before. I think he emailed us after this, the the Star Trek fan Oh, film. yes. Yes. First, not First Contact. First Frontier? First Frontier, yes. Yeah. He emailed us after that. That's right. I recall the email. Okay. I didn't put two and two together. Some corrections, which... I think I think we read. I just don't think I don't think we actually recorded it. But either way, Shadow and Bone is an American fantasy streaming television series developed by Eric Heiserer. 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 He's okay. Heiserer. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. For Netflix, that premiered on April twenty third, twenty twenty one. So we're a little behind the eight ball on this one. A couple of weeks. Yeah. It is based on the Grisha novel trilogy, the first of which is Shadow and Bone, two thousand and twelve. And the Six of Crows 2015 novel duology by Lee Bardugo. Okay. Have you, don't do it right now if you haven't already. Have you clicked the link in Wikipedia for Lee Bardugo? No. Okay. Don't do it quite yet. First, I want you to imagine the 20 something young lady that wrote this story. Just imagine what she looks like. You got that image in your head? Yes. Oh, now click that link. Hmm. How close were you? I was thinking of Emma Stone. Oh, so you went more redhead than blonde? Yeah. But you got to admit the black lipstick and the faux fur. Mm. I don't know. I want that, I saw, I want that couch. I, kinda, I want that couch too. No, I saw the picture of her and I was like, oh yeah, she wrote this. Like if I saw her in the stream, <laughs> like, oh hey, you wrote Shadow and Bone, right? Like that's <laughs> that's what you do for a living, right? <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, more power to her, not making fun. Live it up. You're fantastic. We can talk more about her later if it's relevant, but I just thought that was... She typecast herself. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. On the Sci-Fi Wise Guys podcast, what we actually do 
is watch and review straight to stream-ish science fiction and science fiction adjacent media, visual entertainment media. And uh, then we talk about it and make a couple jokes. Yeah. Usually just two jokes. <laughs> just <a laughs> Everything couple. else is. Yeah, everything else is 100% serious. Shadow and Bone, uh, while it is a listener suggestion, I introduced it, so I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor. Oh, you're giving me the floor? Yes. Oh, well, I'm going to take that floor and I'm going to give some facts. So Shadow and Bone right now on IMDb is sitting at a 7.9 with just over 36,000 ratings. It's got a median of eight. Very highly rated. If you look at the episode list, the last half of the season is all above eight. I think there's Mm. one that's even at an 8.7 somewhere in there, which is crazy high for television, especially for Netflix television. Eight episodes. Yep, eight episodes, of which, of course, we only watched the pilot. We're only going to review the pilot today, even if we accidentally watched more. Did you watch more than just the pilot? Uh, I did not. Me neither. I did not watch more episodes. I didn't either. So I'll actually be true this time instead of lying like I usually do (laughs) about how much I've watched. Uh, The IMDb blurb reads, Dark forces conspire against orphan mapmaker Alina Starkov when she unleashes an extraordinary power that could change the fate of her war-torn world. Hmm. War, war-torn war world. I'm glad I didn't read that. I mean, I'll, I say that. That doesn't give anything away. We know she's an orphan. We know she's a map maker in the first five minutes. And, and in the first 15 minutes, you know that she's going to have an extraordinary power because that's how storytelling works. Yeah. But also, <laughs> it shows a picture of her conjuring something on, on Netflix as you click into it. So before I even watched this or knew anything about it, I was like, oh, she has magic powers. And when she didn't have magic powers in the first 10 minutes, it was like, oh, she's going to get magic powers. So it kind of gave it away <laughs> uh, pretty uh, pretty quick right there. Uh, do you have the uh, the Rotten Tomatoes reviews? Uh, yes, I do. Please share. Please share. 86% fresh, critical, 92% average audience score, Metacritic 69. That's the critical rating. And then a user score of 7.2. So as... Per use, when it comes to the Metacritic ratings, while positive, uh, usually a little bit lower. Yeah, yeah. So the first episode is called A Searing Burst of Light. It's personally sitting at a 7.8 on IMDb with just over 2,200 reviews. Its personal blurb is, unwilling to be separated from Mal, Alina hatches a plan to join him on a perilous expedition through the Fold, capital F. Kaz chases a lead on a lucrative job. So that's, that's pretty decent. So to go ahead and give my opinion, looking at the ratings for every episode on IMDb, the first episode is sitting at the 7.8, and that is the lowest of the season. It goes 7.9 for the next couple, and then everything else is above an 8. 8.1, 6, 4, 3, the one at 8.7. I'd have to say that this was a very formulaic pilot. I knew what was going to happen before it happened. There was almost no surprise. I think the only real surprising thing, and I don't even know if I want to call it a surprise, is that the bits with Kaz and his underworld crew are asynchronous as far as the timeline goes from Alina's story. It's jumping Mm -hmm. forward a couple of weeks. I was a bit confused about how that was all going to tie together. So I'm glad that came together. That's why I call it a surprise. It's a little bit of, it's a tiny bit of a twist, but you saw it coming. I do think though that it did a really good job of putting the characters in place, getting everyone's motivations. You know exactly who everyone is, where they stand, where they're moving. Like it very much put all the pieces on the board very 
efficiently and maybe too efficiently because it just it became obvious. It was almost like you're, it was almost overkill. Like I have a scene where Mal is a child and is protecting a bunny and he's running and a, I guess a, I don't know, a teacher, but whoever runs the orphanage is saying you'll be running all your life if you don't learn to stand and fight. And then immediately the next scene is him as an adult in a bare knuckle, like I guess it, I guess it was a bare knuckle boxing or just a fight or what have you. People are betting. I'm just getting hit over the head with who these people mm-hmm. are. Like I didn't need both of those things, or at least not to the extent. Um, that's just one example. So it it's intriguing enough that I I think that judging from the reviews um, or just the ratings, I haven't really read any reviews. I'm guessing it gets better. I'm intrigued enough by the story that I want to watch another episode just to just to kind of see what happens. Mm-hmm. But I overall with this pilot wasn't impressed with this one episode by itself. Didn't impress me. I think we've seen better pilots. I think Cursed was a better pilot. I think that uh, Letter from for the King was a better pilot. Two other fantasy Netflix shows. So this one started off weaker than those others, but it seems to be more highly regarded. So I don't know that that, that does intrigue me. What did you think? I think I'm mostly in agreement. Is that a word? Agreement. I mean, you said it. <laughs> Just let's take another step back. Uh, Shadow and Bone, the novel, is in fact a young adult fantasy book. Yeah. And uh, the only reason why I even mention it being young adult is that it probably is the reason why they're taking the the symbolism and just mm. like shoving it down our throats. Oh, I could see that. It's probably com- coming from the source material. But that being said, okay, we've watched other things, I guess, aimed at young adults that didn't do that. I mean, letter a letter to the king, or is it the letter to the king? Or letter, I don't, I I don't even know. The letter to the king. That was a show that was really interesting. And while it was also young adult, you know, fiction, because the characters are adolescents, but it was it was adult in nature and didn't treat the audience like an idiot. And I think that's something that we actually praised both Cursed and L2TK. <laughs> yeah. For what they did. Yeah. And I'm not upset that they did that with this particular show. But yeah, no, totally agree with you. Especially the scene with the rabbit, you know, he just turns out, he turns into a tracker. Oh, you know, I can't run away from fights, blah, 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 blah. That's cool. That's fine. It's on the nose for sure. I would like to actually talk about maybe the world because this is an, not an environment, but a setting that I I have very little exposure to, which is kind of not steampunk, but. Well, it's like the 18, it's like the mid early 1800s analog. It's a little bit of Russia. It's a little bit of. It's kind of Dutch. I was reading a little bit about the novel and the and the world thereof at a very high level. It just really it's interesting for this particular not only the time frame, kind of mid probably pre industrial revolution. Because mm-hmm. I mean they're still using ships, but they also use ships that sail on sand, uh, which is cool. And then they've got benders from the Avatar universe, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. They are Grisha who are people who hold the power to manipulate matter. So not necessarily, because I don't think that, I know this is a little slightly different subject, but in the Avatar world, I don't think they just make rock or water or air. They just use the things that are present and then, you know, bend them. Whereas these people are summoning fire, shadow, and spoilers, light, apparently from nothing, which is pretty neat. And I don't know if the magic comes from them themselves, 
because we see this this lady. I don't remember her name. She's important because she dies. But she's a a fire Grisha, and she's wearing these special gloves, and she snaps her fingers. So maybe we'll find out more about that if we watch more. Maybe but, she just doesn't want to get um, burnt. Like I can conjure fire, but I'm not fireproof. Oh, yeah. That would be. Ooh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the worst human torch ever. Yeah, we'll talk about a monkey's paw superpower. Uh, yeah, you can conjure fire over your entire body. Good luck it hurts. with the third degree burns. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, no, I was, I was definitely interested in the uh, in the setting. Uh, apparently, Very Ravka much. is based on Czarist Russian Empire. Cool. Yes, with the exception of beating me over the head with the symbolism. I, for the most part, I thought the pilot was pretty good. I am interested. And watching more, my wife actually really, really, really enjoyed this. So, okay, I think I, I can agree with everything you said. Also, on, about the setting, it is different. That time period, or I mean, it's a fake fantasy world. It's mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be Earth. It's not Earth as far as uh, that goes. But just that time period is uh, is pretty interesting. A lot of the young adult magic and fantasy that I've been exposed to is either more urban like modern time or it's this completely mm-hmm. like cursed where it's just a completely made up fantasy world. So this kind of barely pre-industrial revolution society, like they're using rifles, but they're not, they're not, re- you know, they're not Winchester, like repeating rifles, I guess before that time. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked up some of the British uniform, the military uniforms from the early 1800s. And they're, they're very, very close to the ones they're wearing. So they're definitely pulling a lot of a lot of different influences from that time period um, across across Europe. It did look different, which I enjoyed. I'd like to talk about a few of the actors. That's what I was going to suggest. Our lead actress, Jessie May Lee, plays Alina Starkov. She had some stage productions, but as far as actual like television or movies, she's only got nine credits, of which... Three of them are shorts. We got one movie in pre-production, maybe two, and then uh, this television series. It looks like this is her first lead role in a major production. How did you feel about her performance in this pilot? She does a lot of looking surprised and not necessarily looking surprised, Hmm. but like maybe what's the not not in awe, startled, not no lost. She seems out of sorts. Out of her depth is yeah, what I would probably... There, yeah, there you she go. Just, yeah, she's just... it's She's almost always... She... <laughs> spoilers for the rest of this podcast. She is in the lead for Idiot of this show. Yeah. For the most part, she just... She always looks like she's out of her depth, which I think is a credit to the actress more than anything. No, you're saying the character looks out of her depth, yes. not the actress. Well, but what I'm saying is like the ability to portray... Gotcha. Gotcha. Someone we've in the past used, oh, they look out of their depth, referring yeah. to the, the actor or actress not being able to keep up with everyone yeah. else. And we're not saying that, is, just You're to right. clarify. Okay. Yeah. So I, before we got hate mail, more <laughs> hate mail. Pretty interesting. I, I do enjoy how the show is following the classic trope of, oh, uh, it's a fantasy world and we're in a place that's based on Russia. Everyone has to have a British accent. <laughs> Come on, guys. Get well, it together. She is. Isn't she British? She is an English actress. Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure that everyone in this show is for the most part. It's just a British production. The author of the, the series, Lee Bardigo, she is she was born in Jerusalem. She's of Russian Jewish and Lithuanian Jewish descent. What are, or what is this? I can't pronounce this word. Ashkenazi Jewish from her mother's side. 
and Moroccan or Sephard. I don't know. I didn't know that there were different. Anyways, so she's Jewish with Russian, Moroccan, Lithuanian descent between her mother and father. So the Russian influence on this makes a lot of sense. But I don't you're, I don't see how that translates to a British production with. Do you think that's just the typical? Is, it, is that an American thing where, oh, it's a fantasy world. It takes place in medieval or older times. So everyone has to have a British accent because this is what we sounded like. That doesn't explain why Marf Tarkin or Moff Tarkin has a British accent. I was like, that's <laughs> in Star Wars is because the bad guys have British accents. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah, uh, but yeah. it doesn't explain why they have one. <laughs> Who knows, man? It's not uh, British in their world, obviously. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's an American, possibly an American thing to show that it's not modern times. Hollywood gets a lot of things wrong. Oh, do they? <laughs> in terms of um, like whitewashing, right? Like there's a reason why it's called sure. the term or yellow washing, not yellow. I'm sorry, blackface and yellow face and all these things, brown face. So the least that they could do, if you are going to have a show based on a fictional country that is heavily influenced by Eastern European country, you could at least have people that are European. So they are managed saying- to accomplish that. Okay. I was I thought you were so, leading into British not being part of Europe and making a Brexit no, no, no. joke and I was oh. I was there for you but <laughs> I didn't know if this was the platform for that. But okay. No. Okay. No. So no <laughs> at least Hollywood managed to get there right because this I'm looking at their Wikipedia page and it says country of origin the United States. So mm. let's move on from Jesse. Archie Renault, born Archie James Beale. Cool. He plays Mal. Malian or Sev. Or Stev, yeah. Or Stev. He's got a couple of things, and by a couple, I mean seven. One more. <laughs> He's got ten credits on IMDb. Oh, I see, the, I see the TV down here. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to be in Morbius, so cool. Interesting. Are we taking bets on if that movie's going to be a disaster or not? I mean, it's hard to bet against you when we're going to agree. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Carter plays Kaz Brecker, leader of the Crows. Uh, he is also an English actor and director. I'd like to spend a moment with Freddie Carter and, and the character of Kaz. How did you feel about Kaz, the character? And how did you feel about his, I guess, just all, all of it? Just talk to me about Kaz and about uh, Freddie. I'm assuming this guy in the world is 20 years old. Not sure how he owns a casino. <laughs> yeah. And, a very, and on a very dangerous island that apparently is lawless because, you know, we have... Changes of ownership turn rather violent. The character's great. I mean, he's he appears to be very what's it called? Uh, I don't want to. He's not, very not sure of himself. Yeah, I was gonna say very shrewd, yes. very confident, very much like in the moment. Mm. I, I think that the the actor did a pretty good job. Yeah, I'm glad that you said he looked 20 because I felt like the character of Kaz, the way he's played and the power he has. Should have been 10 years older. Like I felt yep. like he, like I felt that Kaz was too young. So I wanted to, I really asked this to see if you would harp on how old you think Freddie Carter is and therefore the, the character. Wikipedia does not have his birth date, so I can't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's probably in his mid 20s somewhere. He just, he did seem rather young, especially up against the other underworld, uh, what would you call them, leaders that we mm-hmm. see? They all seem older. So but who knows? Maybe that's, that's his thing. Maybe he's new to it. I don't know. But he keeps a steady face the whole time. Made his on-screen debut as a soldier in Wonder Woman. That's pretty cool. The first Wonder Woman? Yes, yes. 2017. But he's got a couple um, of shorts he's directed or wrote or and wrote. So 
All right. A couple other actors here. Amita Suman plays his spy slash ninja slash rogue Inej Gaffa. Six credits. Kit Young is Jesper Foley. He's the gun shooter. I, I read a cool trivia fact about Kit Young. Yeah. He practiced the gunslinging with the six shooter, the Western gunslinging. He practiced mm. and practiced and practiced. And I guess there were several scenes that they had intended to use CGI for to get hit the gun effects that he just did on set. <laughs> That's pretty Because neat. he just kept practicing, which was pretty cool. That's pretty neat. And then to go back a beat, Amita Suman, they're all so far British actors, but somehow she's the first one to have credits in Doctor Who. Mm. Normally we would have seen like three of them already. And she was born in Nepal. Yes. But she moved to England when she was seven. So okay. ah, There you go. She, she started in the Doctor Who <laughs> episode, Demons of the Punjab. Hmm. Yeah. I have another fun fact about Kit Young. What is it? He was Malcolm in Macbeth. Oh. And I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you're in a play, you cannot say the word Macbeth offstage. Why? You just can't. It's just part of the rules. Like, there's a lot of weird, like, you know, it's superstition. Like in baseball, oh. if, a, if a pitcher is pitching a perfect game or a no hitter, your teammates, you're not allowed to talk about it. Like, right. it's heavily frowned upon to even mention that it's going on. Because, you know, I guess the theory is that you'll get inside the pitcher's head and he'll make a mistake. I don't know. I'm not out here trying to debate that if that's right or wrong. But you're not allowed to say Macbeth. Like, you have to refer to it as the Scottish play. I learned this the hard way when I was uh, when I was first dating my now wife, then girlfriend. I was talking to another, there was an actor in this play, and we weren't on stage. We were off stage behind it. And he said, yeah, I was in the, I, I did the Scottish play. And I was like, what's the Scottish play? And then he like looked at me and was like, you know, the Scottish play. And I just didn't understand. And then I finally asked my wife about it. And she said, oh, I'll tell you about it later. And then um, she told me that you're not allowed to say the words Macbeth. Well, interesting. Pretty interesting. That is interesting. I am not superstitious. Oh, it's just, you're just not allowed. I don't know. Like, I, don't know. I don't know if you'll yeah. get beat up. Like <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know. The inner jock in me, I've never had an inner jock, but the inner jock is, is rearing up a little bit when you said that a bunch of drama nerds are going to come beat me up because I said the word Macbeth. I'm not I'm just scared saying. of your wife. Actually, I'm, I'm a little, a little intimidated. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> The last actor that's in all eight episodes is Ben Barnes, who plays General Kerrigan. And we don't even see him, right? I thought he strolled in on a horse or something. I, yeah, but we uh, don't, I don't. Do we see his face? I don't remember seeing his face. I remember only seeing like the back of his head. I don't know. Maybe he had a helmet on or something. Fair enough. Or was he, is he not the, no, he's not the general that gave all the orders in the mess hall. No, that wasn't him. Okay. Okay. Well, he has 28 acting credits. So he's our veteran actor. <laughs> <laughs> at 39 yeah oh he played prince caspian in chronicles of narnia and prince caspian oh, and i guess a few of those narnia movies interesting he's also in the punisher oh he was in jackie and ryan not to be confused with jack ryan the tom clancy movie with chris pine in it oh no one was confused got it he was also in stardust cool how do you feel about them casting so many young essentially unknown actors do you think that's a good move? Yeah. It's probably part of, I don't want to say the Netflix ideal, 
But for the most part, in a lot of the stuff we've been watching that like Netflix originals, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. they have a few veteran actors, you know, people that have been in some stuff. But for the most part, I think they prefer to cast unknowns to kind of bypass yeah. that Hollywood carousel. You know, I'm not saying that Jessie Mae Lee is, is not going to be, go on and become a great actress, but she has less than 20 acting credits to her name. So she's cheap. Oh, sure. You're able to roll the dice on these no-name actors because it's not going to cost you a lot of money in order to hire them and retain them. And you lock them in. And so you're saying, hey, we're going to make this show. We're going to do one season for sure. There's an opportunity for a second. Let's get you in on the second season, right? So the same thing that HBO did with Game of Thrones, and we are at 36 minutes and 47 seconds, where <laughs> they had the, a lot of the veteran actors or whatever, but they rolled the dice on a lot of these no-name people, and then they I locked them up for eight seasons. I'm going to disagree very lightly on all of the un, quote-unquote unknowns. I think there were a lot of un, unknown actors in Game of Thrones, but I think there's a lot of yeah, well-established well, actors also there. But also a to, massive I don't show, want to talk so. about Game of Thrones. But also, <laughs> not just saying it was a big, it was big, big, it was a it was big, big production. It was a big production. Isn't. But the, you say that, but we had a couple of, what well, we had Another Life, which is a Netflix original, which has Katie Sackhoff, which isn't maybe the biggest actress, but she's pretty big in the sci-fi and sci-fi mm-hmm. because of Battlestar Galactica. And then we have, I'm trying to remember the name of the, didn't we watch a show about a mother who goes to Mars and leaves. <laughs> I know, right? I'm not narrowing it down. Hold on. No, and she leaves yeah, her family yeah. behind. Her husband has a stroke or something. Yeah. Wasn't that a famous actress? Yeah, it's Hillary Swank. Yeah. Hillary Swank. Yes. What was the name of that show? Doesn't matter. <laughs> didn't we do an episode? Am I imagining it or did I no. watch that for no reason? No, no hold we, on. we did a podcast episode on it. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> Away. That's what it was. Away. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah. like, I swear. It, it, it was so generic you forgot its name. I couldn't. Oh, it was not good. Go go watch Shadow and Bone instead. Anyways. Okay. So, sorry. I agree with you. And I, I didn't think about cost being part of it, but I agree with you, especially with the young cast that makes sense to have more unknowns or not as well established because obviously they have yeah. some credits. It's not like they're pulling them off the street. Yeah. Not a list, I think is probably. A- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I have to say that I was... I was not unimpressed at all. There was no one that stuck out to me as, oh, well, they're out of their depth as far as the, the actor or the actress went. Did you feel that way or did you? was there anyone that you felt just wasn't up to snuff? I mean, maybe some of the extras or not necessarily extras, but like the one-offs or whatever mm. might have been a little stiff, but, you know, it's. Yeah, but our, as far as our, so, our main cast here, though. There wasn't anyone that stood out as an outright negative me neither. Which you know we've seen a lot of these these shows where they they cast. Well, we've we've seen some movies where we've pointed out like, wow, this this person just isn't isn't cutting it. So awesome. I mean, I think we've kind of given away that we feel that this is worth watching a second episode. We have our grievances with the pilot, but it's still the world building is interesting. If the motions are seem cookie cutter, the what the cookie cutter is making is different. Um, so we both seem to be interested in watching more. I'm even more interested in watching more after looking at the ratings and seeing that it, it does go up kind of drastically. I know it doesn't seem like it, but a 7.9 to an 8.4 or an 8.6 is a huge jump when you're talking about thousands of reviewers and, yeah. and a television show. It did feel a little similar to Cursed in that our lead character is... 
I guess in Cursed, he's adopted or he's still with his mother, but he's got an adoptive father. And in this, she's an orphan and they look, quote unquote, look like the enemy. Their lineage or their ethnicity is of a warring state. That's and that letter to the letter to the king. What did I say? Cursed. Oh, well, I meant letter to the king. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and cursed is the same way in that the, the main actor or actress, I should say, is isn't she a uh, like a fairy person or whatnot? She's a witch. She's a witch and she's different than everyone else. Mm-hmm. So you get what I'm saying where it's like these these shows that are aimed at a, a younger audience that the main character is as out of sorts with their environment as they can be to the point where they look different than everyone else. They're of a different ethnicity and they're the people that they are supposedly allied with are prejudiced against them. That is a young adult storytelling cliche. Like that is just that's something that they do all the time. Like, I mean, the best example you can have Kristen Stewart's character in the Twilight series, you know, Mm -hmm. she's Mm -hmm. a complete outsider and then she comes to this world. That's the way young adult storytelling works. Same thing with Katniss Everdeen. Yeah. All of them. They're all the same. It stuck out to me more in this than it normally does. Maybe it's just not, I don't want to say it's not told as well, but I kept thinking of not cursed. I'm sorry. I did say it wrong. The letter for the king while I was watching this because of that and kind of the militaristic kind of expectations thereof are are similar. Now, everything else is different Yeah. as far as the setting and whatnot, but the two characters were just similar enough and out of their depth enough that I saw a lot of similarities, but I, I wouldn't call the letter for the king young adult Maybe the show, but not the original novel. I mean that I think it predates yeah. that that whole right. bit. I mean the letter let me double check. I think that book was written in Yeah, it's based on a nineteen sixty two yeah. Dutch novel that I can't pronounce that translates to the letter for the king. Yeah, we couldn't pronounce it then, we're not gonna be able to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't learned Dutch in the last six months. Sorry. Do they speak <laughs> Dutch? Or am I just making that up? They don't speak Dutch in the show. No, I meant like, is that the name of the language? Oh, I mean, you just read it. Why are you asking me? <laughs> because something can, because, you know, you can be American, but you speak English. That's what I mean. Like, they're, they're they both Dutch. It doesn't matter. The country's official language is Dutch in the Netherlands. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I mean. I was trying to be respectful to the Netherlands <laughs> for whatever reason. They, they speak Netherlandese, okay? <laughs> what you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been a long time. Since we've alienated a people on this podcast, and I'm glad to say that today we're back with hatred towards the Netherlands. <laughs> what is a what's in the Austin Powers movie? He's like, there's two things I can't stand: people who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, oh, back to man. the show we actually watched. Um, yes, please. One of the producers on this show was, in fact, Sean Levy. I don't know if that name rings a bell for you, but he has produced a lot of stuff. Real Steel, Date Night, Night at the Museum. He was also the director for these movies that I'm naming. Free Guy, The Adam Project. And he was also a producer on a lot of Pink Panther stuff. Big Fat Liar, Chiefer by the Dozen, and Stranger Things, which is pretty mm-hmm. neat. He's also an actor. You know, a lot of cameo stuff or whatever. But he also was a writer, produ- I'm sorry, director, producer for Birds of Prey 2002. DC show, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Last Man Standing. I mean, this guy's been around the block. I was just, I was excited to see him there. And then the only other person that I can click on is Christina Strain, who is 
a comic book writer slash colorist. Hmm. I think she worked for, okay, she worked for Marvel in 2003 to 2011 and has several writing things that she was involved in. But yeah, I guess she decided to branch out and do screenwriting. Looks around 2014. It's pretty neat. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty cool. Good job, Christina. Yeah. Production locations were in Budapest and Vancouver, British Columbia, which makes sense because I felt like I watched an episode of SG-1 where they were. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Is it our second or third episode where, where whatever we watched was recorded in Budapest? I think the third. Yeah. Because the, the first one was spectral and then the second one was outside the wire maybe outside the wire yeah i can't i'll have to look it up you know i'm not going to no you know what i did look up though what'd you look up i looked up and we have had at least two people in the netherlands listen to our podcast so (laughs) not anymore not anymore (laughs) we lost you lost us exactly two listeners I lost us. You didn't even know the language they spoke. <laughs> nope. I was trying to be respectful of their culture. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for actors, behind the scenes, production crew. I mean, we can talk about the story, which is something that we don't always do. I'd like to talk about the story. Yeah. Okay. Which parts would you like to talk about? Just in general, I've already said it. It does feel like we're just setting up the pieces, right? We have Alina, who is found to be a sun summoner, so she can go through what is the what is called the fold. Is it the fold? Is a giant shadowy thing yeah. that creates a, a wall between these two areas, and it was put there hundreds of years ago between I'm, I'm suppose I suppose warring nations by a shadow summoner. Is that what they called him, or a dark summoner? I think this is a single country that's been divided in half. Ah, okay. Because they call that person the traitor. I think they gotcha. called him the the black traitor. Gotcha. Inside of the shadow are gargoyle-esque creatures that eat people. Vulcra? them to shreds. I'm Vulcra? not going to try to remember all of the fantasy names for things. Yeah, Vulcra. If I try to do that, I'm just going to mess it up and upset the pure fans. <laughs> I'm just speaking to everyone else. The pure fans are already writing emails. They've already sent them. By the time this airs and y'all have gotten to this part of the the podcast, I'm reading hate mail. That's how it goes. (laughs) So she turns out to be a sun summoner, something that has been a a type of summoner or Grisha magic user, mage, wizard, sorcerer, whatever, that summons the sun and can block out or take out, at, at least temporarily, I don't know if it's permanent or not, portions of the fold, which of course is extremely valuable. She's part of the military as a map maker. So you know they're going to exploit that. Mm-hmm. While on the other end, we have Kaz and his underworld gang who find out about her through nefarious means, more or less, and are going to try to kidnap her to also exploit her for their own personal gain. Because if they can smuggle goods through the fold when no one else can, that's obviously a huge advantage. Right. It's an interesting setup for a story. Like, do you feel they're going to spend a lot of time with Kaz and his ragtag gang of never-do-wells and them trying to, like, are they going to be the antagonists? Or do you think that there's an inevitable team-up between Alina and Mal and her her peeps and Kaz and his peeps against a larger threat? Where do you think this is going? I think that's probably going to occur, like, towards the end of the first season. Out of eight, what episode do you think that happens in? Six. You think six? I'm guessing six. Do you think like that the climax of six, they team up? Like how, how far into the episode? Oh, I think it, it probably ends with them coming to an agreement of sorts. 
Okay. That's I was going to say right. episode five or six. So I'm going to take episode five. Okay. It's when they finally team up and there's no double crossing. I think that they faux team up somewhere in episode three. But Kaz is planning a betrayal or Alina or both. And then, yeah, episode five or six for the, the real thing. Interesting. Were you thinking of something completely different? I go, I gave you two options there, more or less. <laughs> My other theory is that the show will be constantly asynchronous. Oh. Like the A story, I guess, which would be Alina. Everything that she does is uh, like in the past. And then everything that happens from the 'er ne'er-do-wells point of view happens in the future. And that it ends with those timelines syncing up. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hope not. Personally, I didn't enjoy the asynchronous storytelling. When it all came together, then it was like, oh, okay, this all makes sense now. I liked that it all made sense and we were back in back in action. I don't want them to do that again. We kind of complained about Away, <laughs> since we've already brought it up once, and that <laughs> the way it did its storytelling in a very similar way with just flashbacks and flashbacks and flashbacks. I don't know. I'd rather, now that they've put all the players in place, I'd rather move forward from a single point. For the most part, The Witcher did that recently as well, where every episode, like the whole, every episode is in a like, just completely different yeah. order. Yeah. Is it a flashback if it doesn't concern the people in the present time? No, I wouldn't call it a flashback in Shadow and Bone. I was just comparing yeah. it to a way or to the, the Witcher series where I, well, I, mean, well, I should find out what order is that, that <laughs> is and just like watch it in a different order. Well, the problem with that is that they are, there's asynchronous storytelling right. in every single episode like yeah. every single one you're like wait a minute are we the present are we in the past are we in the future like what's going no, on this character's in the future that character's yeah. in the past and this character's somewhere in between yes i actually enjoyed how it told that story because i think it's hard to tell a story about a group of criminals trying to kidnap somebody at sure. the same time where this person's becoming like this you're right all important cultural figure like oh no i agree I don't know how else they could have done it. I just hope they don't do it again, if that oh, makes sense. I, I don't want every episode to be asynchronous. I want the asynchronous oh. storytelling to be done. And I don't even know if asynchronous is the right word. I used it earlier. I appreciate that you're using it and that we're doubling <laughs> down on it. We're making we're a decision. Yeah, we're just going with it. I don't want every episode to be The Witcher. We had one episode like that. It made a lot of sense because you're right. You wouldn't want everything that happened to Alina to be the first half of the episode and then suddenly we're following this other stuff, we would just be like, what's going on? And it would also give away the goat, uh, so to speak, a little early with Kaz and friends. So I, I like it. I just don't want every episode like that. I've seen The Witcher. I'm good. I don't need more of that style of storytelling. Marion Webster defines a synchronous as of two or more objects or events not existing or happening at the same time. So. Oh, so we're right. Cool. Boom goes a dynamite. Yeah, my uh, high school diploma is paying <laughs> off. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see episode two. For one of the things that I have read, a lot of people actually prefer the show to the books, which doesn't always happen. Really, I did not read. I didn't read any other reviews, so I had not heard that. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't. I'm not reading the reviews. But just when I was. We pull the kimono back a little bit for the listeners if they haven't already heard us talk about it. I'm not going to say that I'm the genesis for the majority of the shows we watch, but I bombard you with so many suggestions. Yes, I just you let you usually pick one. That's true. I'm like I'm subscribed to various YouTube channels, and so trailers pop up on my feed, and I send them to you, stuff like that. So when I was looking up Shadow and Bone when I first heard about it, one of the things that I read on this website that I visit often, theringer.com, they were talking about how the show is better than the books. 
or it's probably a better like they tell the story better. I don't know hmm, necessarily because I've never read the books, but that's that is an interesting outcome because majority of the time it's the opposite way, right? Yeah. The only time I th- can remember a movie being better than a book in terms of faithful adaptation was the uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which is not a book or show <laughs> movie series that you should watch lightly. Set aside some time by yourself for that. But that's interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. To wrap everything up, who is your idiot of the pilot? Oh, it's clearly Alina. Okay. In more ways than one. <laughs> well, give it to me. Give me give me at least two of those ways. Convince me. <laughs> well, first of all, she commits sabotage, which is not only a court martial offense, so I think that makes her a traitor, right? So I think she's mm. you know eligible for execution. I wouldn't go that far, but okay. This is the past. This isn't 2021. I feel like if you intentionally destroyed your army's only knowledge of something, they would not take that lightly. They would just take you out back and shoot you. That's that's all I'm going to say. And the second thing is, during that sabotage, she ropes in her entire cartography unit and gets them all killed. (laughs) Not on purpose, but yes. (laughs) She is directly and indirectly responsible for all of their deaths. Had she never burned the map, What's-His-Face never would have gotten kidnapped by a bunch of criminals, never would have gotten shot, Homegirl never would have been taken off into the the nether realm and ripped apart. I'm just saying. Yeah. She's an idiot. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you on any point. It doesn't look good for her. As I was watching the the show, the first person that I thought of as the idiot of the movie was the dude who jumps off of their boat in the middle of the fold and runs off after <laughs> being told explicitly, don't run off, you yeah. you will die. But uh, he lives through at least that ordeal. Uh, yeah, I don't have it. I was trying to come up with somebody else while I was talking there. And there's, there's literally, how about the guy who, nope, nope. You're right. I mean, you, yeah. you could consider the guy who owns the brothel slash casino. What, Kaz? Or no, no, the no, other no. guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Homeboy breaks into his office, threatens him. He says, "Let me. I'm going to take over your business, and I'm going to let you keep 10% and your life, or I'll kill you. Dude stuck to his principles and chose death, but that's kind of idiotic because <laughs> you have the chance to live. But you're not going to do it. So I don't know. Yeah. This whole thing is that if he had chosen to live, he could have maybe gotten back. Like he gave up everything instead of just 90%. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. What I do know is that we do want to thank everyone that's uh, downloaded our podcast, streamed it, and is listening currently. Thank you. If you do really like what you hear, please go on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Like, subscribe, share with your friends, share with your enemies. Give us a five-star review. I'll read it on the podcast. You can also join us on your preferred social media platform, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to give up your anonymity, Facebook.com. All of those things, we are the Sci-Fi Wise Guys on there. If you really, really, really liked what you heard and you don't mind parting with some of your cold hard cash, head on over to Patreon.com forward slash Sci-Fi Wise Guys. Become a patron, get access to member and patron exclusive content, and you get access to all of our episodes early. Also, if you don't feel like getting on social media, and who can blame you, you can email us your suggestions at scifiwiseguys at gmail.com. Please give us something good to watch so we can talk about it. Or you know what? If you give us something bad to watch, we'll probably still watch it (laughs) and uh, just never listen to your suggestions again. So choose wisely. And lastly, just to, to repeat, thanks everybody for listening. Make sure to stay safe, 
stay hydrated, and remember that you are loved by the hosts and the community of this podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. Good suggestion, Jim. Yeah, Jim. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, man.